0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. 2 Corinthians 13, as we finish this, uh, uh, ch- this book, really... Um, Amazing book, uh, prayerfully that God will use it in your life to transform us and conform us into his image. But to be honest with you guys, in going through this chapter right here, it was kind of hard for me to... You guys know how I am. I have OCD, right? And um, just kind of like wanting that neat outline and I I couldn't find it. But in a nutshell, as we go through it here, uh, we'll work our way through it. It really is a chapter in which God wants to uh, give us a couple of warnings, for one. And then we're going to see a couple of prayer requests go out from Paul. That would change our life. Um, I don't know if you guys like warnings or not. I, they're good for us. you know. We read them on labels and stuff like that. But how many of you uh, ignore them usually, right? <laughs> but these are warnings that are so important. Number one, if you don't get right with God, God's going to deal with you. God will discipline you. Why? Because He's a parent and He loves us. I mean, if your children are out of line, how many of you here give them trancasos? Just out of curiosity. If you don't, you don't love them, right? God is, is the same way with us. Uh, he wants us to to be in line with Him because what ends up happening is when you when you live in sin, you suffer needlessly. Do you understand that? That if you live in sin, if you want to do things your own way, you will suffer needlessly. We all gotta suffer because we live in a fallen world and fallen bodies against fallen angels. We live in this world and we're gonna experience an element of suffering that we can't escape. But there's a lot of suffering that that we can if we would just do things God's way. You know, I mean, we hear of uh, celebrities and people. Maybe sometimes you hear and they they come out and they tell you they got you know AIDS or HIV or some type of disease and. And then, you know, not that you're judging them or anything, but when you just kind of do a little bit of background research, you find out it's because they're living in sexual sin, they're living promiscuously. They don't need to suffer that. They brought them that on themselves needlessly because they chose to live in sin. I, I, I remember when my, my precious cousin um, died of cirrhosis of the liver. She didn't have to have that. But for her, it was a lifestyle that she we, that, that she chose that was contrary to God's word. And she ended up suffering, dying at such a young age. So, you know, the Lord's going to warn us through life. My prayer is that we would heed those warnings. Uh, number one, regarding discipline. And number two, regarding, we're going to see damnation. Now, um... A lot of people don't like to talk about that, but I have to. I have to talk about that because the Bible says in Ezekiel 33 that I'm a a watchman. And so when the watchman is out there and he sees the enemy coming, he's supposed to warn the people. If he doesn't warn the people, then the blood is on his hands, and they might die, and they might be judged, but he's going to get judged too because he didn't warn them. But I have to warn the people. That way, you got to choose. You want to follow the Lord, it's up to you. You want to be the man of God, that's your choice. The woman of God, you don't, that's fine. That's up to you. But it's my responsibility to share with you that because uh, one day we're going to stand before God. So we're going to see in verse 5, there's another warning where Paul says you have to examine yourself to see whether or not you're really even saved. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm in because I go to church. You know, and I'm telling you guys this, and I know I've said it before, but you can go to church a million times. doesn't make you a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian because my parents are. Well, I'm sorry, but God has no grandchildren, right? You have to choose to follow the Lord yourself. Well, I serve in ministry. Really. I got the bumper sticker. I got the t-shirt. I said the prayer. Well, you have to really examine your life to make sure You're a Christian. And we're going to get into this today. My prayer is that by the end of the day, when all is said and done, that we're all Christians here, every single one of you, even some of you knuckleheads here that have been fighting it for a long time. And my prayer is that we would all get right with the Lord because it's not that God is saying, hey, don't sin because I want to take away your fun. God is saying, I I want you to live a holy life, uh, flee sin, put off the old man, put on the new man because I want to bless your life. I want to bless you. And so, Paul the Apostle, in closing the letter, he deals with things like this. Look at verse 1. In 2 Corinthians 13, he says, This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before, and foretell, as if I were present the second time, and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest, that if I come again, I will not spare. And you know, this is going to be Paul's third visit to Corinth. If you read Acts 20, verse 2, he actually did go there for the third time. Uh, we believe it is going to be his third visit. It was also his third letter that he wrote to them. He wrote 1 Corinthians. There's another letter that we don't have. It was a letter of regret. And then... This would now be his third letter to them. And so he's been really patient with them, you know, dealing with them. We've talked a lot and going through this letter about the divisions that were going on, the sexual sin, the the, the Medici's, all that, the gossip and things that were going on in the congregation, right? And, uh, you know, he's just basically been really nice to them, really gentle, really meek. And, you know, the Corinthians were saying, well, Paul here, he's telling us not to sin. He's telling us that we're going to get judged. But, you know what, homeboy, he's just talk. Nothing's going to happen. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to deal with this. There's not going to be any such thing as, you know, excommunication communication or any really dealing with our sins. And Paul here is just saying, you know, quoting from Deuteronomy, I think it's 1916, this is a third witness. I've been patient with you. This is the third time. Next time that I go, just like I told you the second time that I was there, next time that I go, I'm not going to spare you. I'm going to deal with you. Now, now we don't know exactly what that meant. You know, uh, more than likely it had to do with that communication. We know there were other times where Paul delivered people to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And in the end, they might be saved. Uh, we even know there was one time, imagine this, Paul made someone blind, you know, and hey, you're, you know, rallying things up over here. Now you're not going to see for a while. You remember that in the book of Acts chapter 13 and the guy couldn't see. See, Paul was an instrument uh, wanting to build up the church. You guys wanted to make you holy. Wanting to make you strong, wanting to make you a vessel through whom God could use and do mighty works. God wants to use your life to bring people to heaven. God wants to bring your use your life to to mend marriages, to, you know, break the chains of sexual addiction, pornography, drugs, alcohol. You know, God wants to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. God wants to do a great and mighty work and he wants to use our lives but we got to get right with him. We got to be holy. And so here, Paul, in writing to them, he's warning them. He's saying, you know what? I've taught long enough. Next time I come, if your life is not right, then I'm going to have to exercise my apostolic authority that I've been given for your edification, for the edification of the church, and I'm going to have to deal with you you know, for us as parents, you guys know how that is. When your kids get out of line, the first thing is, hey, don't do that. Right? And then, you know, they do it. Then what do you do next? I'm going to count to ten. One, two. Don't do that, okay? You know, we're so patient with our children. And, man, I tell you what, I hated spanking my kids. I did. I hated it. It hurt me more than it hurt them. I'm serious. And I know kids don't believe us when we say that as parents, you know. But, you know, sometimes it would cross the line where you had to do that. You had to bring them over here. You had to put them over your leg. And you have to tell them what you're doing, why they're doing it, what they did wrong. You got to make it clear. And then you have to take that rod of correction to their seat of understanding. You You have to spank them. And I know the rule tells you, oh, don't spank them. You know, if you have that mentality, more than likely your kids need to be spanked. <laughs> Let someone else spank them, please. Because what ends up happening is that it ruins them and it ruins everybody around them. If you don't discipline them, then they won't be disciplined. Get it? That's the way God deals with us. And so we have to heed the warnings. Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about getting your life right and You know, you're still alive, you're still having fun, you're still involved in ministry, you're still whatever it is, you fill in the blank, and you think God's not going to do anything. And you want to know something? Discipline is already on its delivery, it's on its way to you. Unless you get right. you got to heed the warning. I I read a story about a man who had a, a little boy that was getting older, and he would go down around the block to his friend's house to play football. And so as the little boy got older, the, the dad said, Okay, when you get there, I want you to call me. And so the little boy, first time he went, he got caught up in playing football, and he didn't call dad. So dad called him, and he said, Hey, what's up? You know, why didn't you call me? And the little boy said, Oh, sorry, dad, I forgot. I was scoring touchdowns over here, right? And so the dad said, Okay, next time you got to come home. I'm going to punish you. I want you to learn to call me when you get there. Sure enough, it wasn't that much longer. The little boy went, and he didn't call his dad. And so what ended up happening was uh, the dad um, said, Lord, what should I do? This little boy obviously is not paying attention to me. And so what he did was he got the phone, and he's about to call, and he says, Lord, help me to deal with him as you deal with me. And so what he did was he called his little boy, and then he hung up. So it only rang one time. So sure enough, a few minutes later, the boy calls dad, and he says, Hey, Dad, I'm here. And then the father says, "Well, What took you so long to call me? He said, I forgot. I was playing football. But then I heard the phone ring, and then I remembered. (laughs) And now I'm calling you back. Maybe you're here today and you have forgotten that God is a holy God. You've forgotten. And you're playing football. And you're scoring touchdowns. And now the phone rings. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? You know, my prayer is that we as a church would be a holy church. Look what he says right here, again in verse 2, I have told you before, and foretell as if I were present the second time, and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before, and to all the rest, that if I come again, I will not spare. You know, we talked about the sin... In this letter, there were some that were going in the church, they were trying to take over, they were trying to turn people away from Paul, ultimately turn them away from Christ, and that's one thing, the Judaizers, the false teachers. Another thing that we spoke about last week, if you go to chapter 12, look at verse 20. Again, we read this last week, 1220, For I fear that when I come I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Um, Most commentators believe that that's just the whole spirit of division in the church. People are talking smack behind others' back. I mean, just it's a really ugly place. If he goes on in verse 21, Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned. There's that word, sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness fornication and lewdness which they have practiced most people believe that the problems in the church were sins of division and sexual sins and those are two common sins in a lot of churches you know i know there's not a lot of us here but i wouldn't be surprised if there are some people here just Caught up in sexual sin. You know, it's hard nowadays in one sense. The pornography is everywhere. I mean, you turn on the television and you got commercials and they're showing way too much, man. And, you know, the TV programs we watch, and what does that do that feeds that part of us, that heart? And what ends up happening, you know, guys, uh, next thing you know, they're looking at their phones, they're engaged in sexual sin. It's not just guys, it's girls. Maybe you're here today and you're living in sexual sin. You know, we talked a little bit about this uh, last week and uh, just I hope that it's clear to you that, that that is wrong, that you need to stop, you need to make yourself accountable, talk to somebody if you need help, prayer, but it's a trap. You know, because what God did was God created sex uh, for for you and your spouse. And what it is, is a bonding thing. You know, when you get together with your spouse, it's beautiful. It's amazing the gift that we have of sexual intimacy. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says that marriage is honorable. That marriage bed is honorable. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And so, you know, we got to deal with this. I pray you would know that that you can wait on the Lord, and you can be with the person that God made you to be with, and that way one day you can bond with them, and God will bless, and it will be beautiful. See, those were the things that were, were going on in Corinth, and Paul said, when I get there, I'm going to I'm gonna have to deal with these things. Maybe you're here today, and there's just something going on inside of you something that you're struggling with. And it could be so many things. It doesn't have to be sex, drugs, alcohol. I mean, it could be pride. It could be that you're not praying the way you should. I mean, one thing I've noticed in life, I've noticed this about life, is that life has a way of cluttering um, ourselves up. I mean, How many of you hear, like at least once a year, you have to go through your house and you have to get rid of all the stuff that just kind of accumulates? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, some of you here, you got so much clothes that you can't even find the T-shirt that you really like. And so every once in a while, I don't know about you, but I have to go through and, I, oh, i got to get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this, and then, oh, it's nice. I think we have to do that in our life. We have to take spiritual inventory and, and remove the things that, that, that don't belong, even sins sometimes that we've allowed to creep in that really don't belong to us as Christians. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you know, I really pray that things will get right because when I come, I don't want to spank you, but if I have to, I will. Look at verse 3. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. They were saying this. They were saying, Paul is not the boss because he's not bossy. (laughs) He's not over us because he's not overbearing. And they were forgetting that the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ is meekness, it's gentleness, it's humility. They were misinterpreting meekness for weakness. A lot of people that are out there, they want the leader that's gonna push them around. They want a shoving leader rather than a loving leader, right? And remember this for sheep, they're not driven. Cows are driven. Sheep are led. That's the way our God is, you guys. Just because he hasn't judged you and you know struck you with lightning or you know, you're still having a good time or you're still, whatever, you know, the case is involving in ministry, don't think that He approves of your sin. And, and just because maybe your parents haven't or your overseers haven't either, that, you know, there's something wrong with them, God is patient with us. Here we have that pattern here of Jesus and His meekness and, you know, just His humility. I mean, look at verse 4, He was crucified. I mean, He laid down His life for us. He was crucified in weakness but didn't mean he was weak because he exerted and exhibited his power by rising from the dead. You know, some people look at Jesus and they say, well, he's just a lamb. Well, he is a lamb, but he's also a lion. A lot of people, they don't have the fear of God anymore. You know, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I can't look at a girl. I can't look where I shouldn't look. I shouldn't take double looks. I can't, because I fear God. How is it that some guys can do that? How is it that some guys, they treat their wives like, you know, like dirt, and they're Christians? They're Christians. Where's the fear of God? Some guys, they won't crack open their Bible, they won't pray, and girls too. How is it that we can live a life like that? You know, go to church ah, every once in a while. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ, He went every week. You know, I think that when you look at this right here and we see the way the Lord is so patient with us, please don't misinterpret that, you guys. That that meekness is, is not necessarily weakness. He has the power. And in verse 4, He says, and we're also weak in Him, We shall live with Him by the power of God toward you. And so the day would come when, eventually, they would be disciplined. How many of you here want to get spanked? How many of you here, and I I know for some here, i got to be really careful with this, because some of you were beaten up by your parents, man. You're like, Manny, don't talk to me about that. I understand that. My heart goes out to you. Some of you here, however, it was healthy. I mean, you needed a spanking, and you got it, and it was good. Some of you here got socked in the face. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, in looking at this, it's the way that, that God deals with us. I don't know about you. I don't want to get spanked. I don't want to lose the ministry. I don't want to lose my, my wife, my kids, my joy, my health my job i'm not saying that everybody that you know loses their job or their health is being disciplined by god but but sometimes you have to search your own heart we have to get right with the lord because if not he's going to deal with us and it's funny cuz sometimes people are being disciplined and they still won't repent You know, I think of David and I think, wow, if that can happen to him, that can happen to any of us. We know David fell into sexual sin and, you know, the Lord forgave him and the Lord will forgive you. The Lord will forgive us, right? But David's life was never the same. When Nathan came and he spoke to David and he said, the Lord's put away your sin. You're not going to die, but the sword will never depart from your house and God said and all the things that I wanted to do with your life is not going to happen. Why? Cuz they didn't get right. He he didn't think of that when he went and just did his own thing. You know when we sin, do you think that it's not going to affect your kids? Don't you love your kids? Don't you care about them? They're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the price. Well, things are going good. I'm still king, yeah. But I had so much more for you. So my prayer you guys is not we can't be perfect. I understand that we're gonna slip, we're gonna stumble, we're gonna fall by accident. But man, don't don't continue in it. Don't go into sin with uh, eyes wide open. Uh, case sir, or I ain't no thing. You know but chicken wing? Oh y'all, yeah, it's a lot more than the chicken wing. Let me tell you. It's sin. It's die cast rebellion against God. The thoughts that you think, the words that you speak sometimes, the actions and decisions that you make, God sees all that. And so we have to walk circumspectly. My prayer is that you guys we would live holy lives. Okay? There's a warning regarding discipline. But look at verse 5. He says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Whoa. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. They were examining Paul. You know, they kind of got out the whatever, the microscope, the telescope, You know, they started talking, and they started looking at Paul. And in retrospect now, we know Paul was pretty right on, huh? He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. So much of the book of Acts was about this guy, Jesus himself, commissioned Paul. And here they were just examining Paul, when all along what the Lord was saying, you need to examine your own life. And that's a lot of times what God is saying to us. And of course, you know, for those of us that are Christians, you know, we have to say anything that doesn't belong, God, I'm going to get rid of it. It's just clutter. I don't need it. It's a weight. It's baggage. It'll slow me down. It's, you know, you get rid of it. But, but for those of us that maybe come to church, you know, are you really, truly saved? You know, I've been a Christian now since 1989, and, and for most of my life, I, I've never had like any doubts about whether or not I'm really a Christian. But I have to admit, there have been a couple of times where, you know, the Holy Spirit just just kind of made me look deeper, look longer in the mirror, really search my heart. You know, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you're saved, right? Just because you're a leader or a teacher or whatever it is, an evangelist, it doesn't mean... You're saved just because you go to church, you've been going to sometimes you talk to people, it's kind of funny. Hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I've been a Christian all my life. That's impossible. <laughs> there has to be somewhere a point in your life where you were broken. You were busted. You were humbled. You were just devastated with the realization that you're a sinner on your way to hell and you you need a savior. And somewhere in that journey, you know, you gave your life to Christ. It says right there, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Somewhere in there, you express faith in Jesus, the one who shed his blood and died for you in Calvary. They put him in a grave and he rose again. And you said, Jesus, my life is yours. Is that really you? We're not playing church here. It's not a social club. We can come and go and come and go and never be challenged. But it's good to be challenged. I hope you're not offended by that. But if you are, I'm sorry. We just want to make sure that you're Christians. If you are a Christian, then you don't have a problem with it. Right? If you're not a Christian, then you probably do. Man, this guy's he's talking loud today. <laughs> It's funny, sometimes we'll go door to door, not, not very often, but we'll talk to people. Hey, we're just going around. We're telling people about Jesus, you know, can we talk to you today? And a lot of times they'll slam the door and they'll say, no, I'm already a Christian. Boom, and they'll close the door, right? And then we just say, well, they're not Christians. Because <laughs> if they were, they'd be, oh, that's so cool. Let me pray for you. That's so neat. Man, hey, you better go get Mrs. Kravitz across the street, man. She really needs to get saved, you know? It's funny how it works. It's okay to examine yourself to see whether or not you're really a Christian because the chances are there are every once in a while you come up with some people who really aren't. And that's why there's no power. That's why there's no joy. And they ask you a question, okay? Do you like Bible studies? Do you like Bible studies? Some people are like, I don't really like that. I don't really like, I don't have like a desire to read the Word. I like the sports page. Hey, man, Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. Oh, I like them too. I do. Those are bad. They're good. You know what I'm saying? Stephen Curry. I think he's a Christian. Anyways, getting back over here, okay? <laughs> I mean, when you're a Christian, you have a hunger for the Word. You have a hunger for prayer. You have a hunger for fellowship. You have a hunger, a desire, an insatiable desire to, to serve the Lord and to see people saved and built up and sanctified. If you don't have any of that, If you don't want to read your Bible, my friend, I would say you're not saved. What do you need to do? You need to come to Jesus. Really come to Jesus, not just with your head, but with your heart. You know, you're you're standing on, on shaky ground. He says right there, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. I can't tell you if you're a Christian. I have some opinions. I mean, sometimes I look at people and and they might not be dotting all their I's or crossing all their T's and I I think they know the Lord. Right? And sometimes you look at this person over here and you're like, man, they're weird. I doubt if they're a Christian. But who am I? I don't know. God knows. And I have a feeling you know. That's why you have to examine yourself. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are His. 2 Timothy 2.24. So what we have to do is examine ourselves. We just want you all to go to heaven because the more of you that go to heaven, the bigger our El reunion will be. Right? With Garnisada and all. It's so cool because I get some of you here and you make me some uh, salsa. And I'm like, man, this is so good, Lord. Imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. Seriously, though, we want everyone here to go there, and you have to examine yourself. What are some of the things that you look for? Well, number one, have you repented of your sins and received Christ as Lord and Savior? To repent of your sins means you're willing to let it go. If you're here today and you're holding on to the hatred, if you're here today and you're holding on to the sex, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever it is, the pride, you just refuse to let it go, then you haven't repented of your sins and you're not saved. I remember talking to one gal one day and she she had a real real hard time with her biological sister and she said, "I don't care if I go to hell. I'll never get right with her." And I said, "Oh, that's bad. You're probably going to go to hell. You got to repent of your sins." Be willing to let it go and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. The, the gospel, He died for you, He paid the price. It's not by works, it's by faith. That's where it starts. That's one thing you have to look at. Another thing is, do you have the inner witness? The Bible says in Romans 8:16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, and he tells you you're a Christian, you know, and it's beautiful, man, when it's really the Lord, not just you but it's the lord and he bears witness you have the inner witness you have the witness of the word and then you have the outer witness right and what did jesus say jesus said you would know them by their church attendance he's keeping it no he would know them by their bumper stickers right you would know them by their t-shirts no you will know them by their fruits right he said that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. and Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, says, Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Are you keeping His commandments? I'm not talking about living a perfect life, but if your pattern is sin then you got to search deeper. That's why the Bible says no liar, no drunkard, no fornicator, no homosexual, those types of people, no covetous person, they won't go to heaven because that becomes their identification. Not that a Christian can't lie or a Christian can't covet because it happens from time to time. But when it dominates your life, then that becomes the identification of who you are. You're a, you know a liar then the Bible says you haven't really repented. That, that person, they, they don't really know the Lord. And their witness, their outer witness, manifests where they really are. You know, this is a scary thing to read. But in Matthew 7, in verse 22 and 23, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Imagine that, you guys. Man, some people, they stand before the Lord. And God, I was prophesying. And you guys know what prophesying is. That means you're a mouthpiece for God. You're foretelling your, the future. You're foretelling the word of God. I was casting out demons. When was the last time you cast out a demon? You know, but imagine that there are going to be some people who stand before God in that day, having done all these things, and Jesus is going to say, Get out of here. Depart from me, because I never knew you. And so what are we doing here today? I'm just praying that we would examine our life. At the end of the day, um, what does he say right there? He says, Test yourselves in verse 5. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? To me, that's that's like the key. Am I like Christ? Because if I'm like Christ, and if I'm manifesting that, you know, perhaps to my wife, I have to be Christ to her. A lot of husbands are anti-Christ to their wife. Do you know the Lord? When you look at your life and you look inside. Jesus lives in you. If you're really saved, then people will see. You will see. And my prayer, you guys, is that you, everyone here, will really know the Lord. That you will repent of your sins and receive Him as Lord and Savior. You put your faith in Jesus. It's not a religion. It's not by works. It's a gift that God wants to give to you today. You want a free ticket to heaven? Jesus paid the price and He shed His blood and He died for you. All you have to do is receive this gift and you do that by faith, the Bible says. You see, when we want to see people change, we we got to warn them about discipline. We got to warn them about about disqualification or damnation. You know, we read in verse 6, Paul says, but I trust that you will know that, that we are not disqualified. Hopefully, eventually they understood that Paul was the real deal. But then he prays. Look at verse 7. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. So how can we make a difference? How many of you here want to be used by God to help your fellow Christian? Raise your hand. Okay, if not, sit in the back, okay? How many of you here want to be used by God to help people become Christians? I think we all do, right? And so you got to warn them sometimes, okay? Another way you can make a difference is to pray for them. Do you pray for them or do you just judge them? Do you really pray for them? Right here, Paul prays for them. I pray to God that you do no evil. And most people believe that what he's saying right there is, I pray that as I'm, you know, trying to to correct you and warn you, and yeah, I know it sounds a little difficult to to listen to sometimes, but I'm praying that you wouldn't respond to this in a negative fashion, that you wouldn't be upset, but that you and I, that we would really truly go in and clean house. That we would pray for a clean heart, that, that our life would be different. It would be one of those times where you go to church and you hear a message and it really impacts your life. Because if not, if you just go on to your, your own way and go back to your own you know, vomit, then it's kind of like then that's evil. I pray, he said, that you, that you do no evil. You know, not that, that we should appear approved. It's not for ourselves, you guys. It's, it's for you. I love what he says right there, that, that you should do what is honorable. Come on, guys. Honorable. Doesn't that, doesn't that draw you? Doesn't that attract you? I want to be an honorable man. I want to be a godly man. I want to be a witness in my home. I want to up walk uprightly in my home. I want to be an example to my family and my wife and my kids and, and people that, that get to know me. Honorable. It's beautiful. That's what he's saying. I pray that for you. And they were thinking weird things about Paul. He said, though we may seem disqualified, but the bottom line is in verse 8, we, we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And we're glad when we're weak and you're strong. And this also we pray. Here's a second request. That you may be made complete. What does that mean? It means that you mature. It means that you grow up. Right? I mean, it's interesting. The Greek word, it literally talks about a perfect restoration. Perfect restoration, because what had happened was the Corinthians—they had struggled a lot, and they had sinned a lot, and you know, crazy things. Man, the enemy came against them, and they fell on their face, and they, you know, had a hard time with Paul, and all that kind of stuff. And 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 Paul here is just saying, but I'm praying for like a full-on comeback, a perfect restoration. That the Greek word is used in ancient literature of someone who broke a bone and then they set it right, and it, they they got it all back. How many of you here have broken any bones? Just out of curiosity. Not that many of you. Um, you guys are the daring ones usually, though the ones who break bones. You know, either that or you didn't drink enough milk, something like that. But um. You know, I mean, but you break a bone, and I trip out. I think it was little Malachi, he broke a bone in his foot, and he is a little daring little guy. But, you know, just the the beauty of how God is able to bring that bone, and and all they got to do is kind of set it the right way, and then it just mends, and it fuses, and it becomes strong again. You see, that's what the Lord wants to do in our life. I don't care. It doesn't matter how hard you've fallen. God wants now He's praying for a perfect restoration. You know, it's time for maturity. It's time to become complete. It's time, you know, to grow up. And I'm praying that for you. And so in verse 10, he says, Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification. And not for destruction. And so he's writing to them, praying that they will listen, praying that they would change, praying that they would grow up. Because if they didn't, then the tragedy would be they would suffer needlessly. And the hand of God's discipline through Paul the Apostle would fall on them. And so we have the two warnings, we have the two prayers, and then we close with the benediction. In verse 11, he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And isn't this beautiful? The God of love and peace will be with you. That's what I want. I want the God of love and peace. You know, and God is with us. God is omnipresent, right? But there's a special manifestation of God when God's people live godly. Did you know that? Like sometimes I'll find it in my home and, you know, my wife and I every once in a while we mess up, especially her, right? And what ends up happening? You know, it's like almost like you can feel like a spirit of strife in the air. And I always tell her, and I tell my kids, I says, no, our home belongs to Jesus Christ. And our atmosphere in this home is going to be an atmosphere of agape love, whether you like it or not. Go to your room, sweetheart. No, I'm just joking. I don't do that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that God will manifest Himself in a, in a special way. The God of love and peace will bless you with that love and peace when you live... Basically, what he says right here is maturity, unity. And it's almost like family. See, this is how he closes. This is what he wants to end with. I pray that we would never forget that. Because really, the church is a family, whether you're just the ones there in Corinth, or you're from church to church, like Todd said. Here he is. He comes in here, what, twice a year, and he says, you guys feel like family? Because We are. We are. And that's why he says there in verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. I mean, you guys should say hi to each other. Sometimes they go in and we're like, like that. Come on, say hi. High five. For us, we probably say more of a holy hug, right? A uh, holy hug. I mean, but you can, I know Mark kissed me the other day. Where's Mark at? No, he's not here. Oh, yeah, he kissed me. I'm like, that's weird. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't tell him at the time, but he melted my heart. I'm like, man, praise God, you know? And so every once in a while, you'll get like a holy kiss like that. Hopefully the guys don't do it with the girls and not on the lips and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, you know, just a beautiful, warm embrace. You guys, were family. There needs to be unity, maturity. And, And then just at the end of the day, I just love the way that he closes it. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you need grace? And the love of God, how many of us need love, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And there you have the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Grace, love, fellowship with Him. What a beautiful way to end the letter. And again, the same message, man, that God, all of God, that God would be with you. Right, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead, we want all of Him to be with us as we go on our way and as we face our challenges. Amen? Amen. So if you need Christ, maybe you just need to come back, you need to repent, you know, do that right now. Do that right now as we close in prayer and worship. You know, uh, where's Jimmy and Tina at? I think yeah, they're here. Um, they they sang a real neat song earlier about getting on our knees. And and you guys, if you need to get on your knees, go for it. Maybe we'll even dim the lights a little bit so that no one films you and puts it on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Finally, they're getting their life right with God. Just joking. <laughs> But, you know, let's close uh, with that desire, man, to, to know the Lord and to be His holy people because He loves you. He has amazing plans for you. And the only one that can stop those plans is you, okay? And it's not easy to do because He chases after us. But we have to eventually surrender. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626 3414 Remember that Jesus loves you.